Welcome to Notice History, a podcast where we uncover the history that's already all around us. We're your hosts, Robin Mullins, Nick Bridges, and Keely McCabot. True Patriot Love. It's one of the first songs Canadians learn by heart. And, while it remains a daily broadcast in schools, most of us only hear it during sports games. With glowing hearts, we sing those well-known words which form our collective identity as the true North, strong and free. And now the time has come for our home and native land to learn new lyrics. This week, we're noticing the history in the National Anthem. All right, so um, I think the National Anthem is something we're all familiar with, but we might not all know the history behind it. So the music for the National Anthem, what, what is now the National Anthem, was composed by Calixa Lavalley, a talented Quebecois composer and teacher who went on to become known as Canada's national musician. Original words were created by Judge Adolphe Basil Routhier and the music by Calixa Lavalley. They were both commissioned by the Canadian government to write a song for the 1880 Congress National des Canadiens Français, or the National Congress of French Canadians. Adolphe Basil Routhier was a lawyer and a judge in Quebec, but was widely recognized as a poet. He was also a founding member of the Royal Society of Canada. The original lyrics were completely in French, and they were first performed on June 24, 1880, in Quebec City as part of Joseph Vesna's Mosaïque sur des airs populaires canadiens. Very well done, Nick. Um, the song did not boom in popularity right away, but gradually became more well-known, uh, and particularly as different versions were published in the English lyrics. O Canada didn't officially become the national anthem of Canada until 1980, which it's kind of surprising because you just kind of assume it's been there forever, but it has not. Um, before 1980, we used to sing God Save the Queen, which still remains as the royal anthem of Canada. She is our head of state. She's on our money. Yeah, so that means that it's in... It's used in official salutes to the governor general, the lieutenant governor, and in other ceremonies or events. So often you'll see them both played together. There'll be O Canada as well as God Save the Queen. Although, to be honest, I could not even tell you what the tune of God Save the Queen is. Really? Yeah, you sorry. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> well, that's, I don't know about you guys, but there were pictures of the monarchy up in my at least in my first elementary school, did you guys have that? So yeah. you stand and sing O Canada to the flag and looking into the Queen's eyes. Like that was how it was set up. Like, look at the front. So I was like, is this just my school or is this everybody? No, I mean, we always had the Queen at, by the principal's office. So mm-hmm. whenever you'd have to go, it wasn't, she wasn't necessarily in every single room. I think possibly in my like junior kindergarten. So when you're first learning the anthem and you're first understanding, like, why are we singing this? I seem to recall there being a photograph of her, but certainly at every school, it was always in the office, always, you know, front and center or near wherever the flag was going to be. So mm. still, still prominent, but not necessarily in every single room. Mm. So should we jump forward a hundred years? Over a hundred years, actually. Yeah, yeah. 
So as of January 31st, 2018, the line True Patriot Love and All Thy Sons Command was changed to True Patriot Love and All of Us Command. This change was made to ensure gender parity in the English lyrics. So this was the culmination of work by many, many women who had been working towards these changes for decades. It wasn't something that just happened overnight, and it's not something that is new to the awareness of people. Like It may seem like you've been hearing a lot of it more recently, but it's been going on for a really long time. So even so, even though it's been controversial for a while, the changes were still met with a lot of controversy. I mean, the anthem is a beloved national symbol that people are obviously reluctant to alter. There were concerns that changing these national symbols would be a blow to patriotism, or that gender parity in the national anthem was a non-issue. Others argued that the anthem needs changing precisely because of its symbolic importance, and that something of such significance to all Canadians cannot continue to ignore half the country's citizens. Interesting to note that the recent changes haven't actually affected the French lyrics at all. And there doesn't seem to be any real pressure to exist, like existing to change the French version. So if it hasn't changed the French lyrics, have the French lyrics always been the same? Yeah, they've remained unchanged since 1880, which is pretty impressive because it, they were, it was written in 1880 and it didn't become our national anthem until 1980. And no one really felt like it was worth changing in that hundred years mm-hmm. and still don't feel like it's necessarily needing to be changed. And an interesting contrast to that, especially with the recent English changes, is that the English lyrics have consistently been changed. Apparently we just can't make up our minds. Nope. (laughs) So one of the first English versions of O Canada was published by Dr. Thomas Bedford Richardson in 1906. These lyrics aren't close at all to what we sing today. And several more versions have followed that. Um, In in 1908, a competition was actually held to create new English versions. For a moment, consider just how different the last line of each version is. Defend our rights, forfend this nation's thrall, by Dr. Thomas Bedford Richardson in 1906. And another one, bless our dear land this day and evermore. Um, So that was by Mercy E. Powell McCulloch in 1908. Not to be outdone, there's also, and prosper Canada from shore to shore, by Ewing Buchan in 1908. And finally, something a little more familiar... O Canada, We Stand on Guard for Thee by Robert Stanley Weir in 1908 and republished with modifications in 1927. So Robert Stanley Weir's version would prove to stand the test of time. Weir was a lawyer, so you can see there's this really interesting um, lawyer and judge sort of theme with our anthem. Lawyer, judge, poet. Yeah. Oh, lawyer, judge, poet. (laughs) This version was performed in 1927 for the Diamond Jubilee of Confederation. Um, His poem had several verses, but our current national anthem is based on the the first of these verses that he wrote. So this means that even without considering the 2018 changes, the French lyrics are almost 140 years old, but the English ones haven't even reached 100 years yet. So not only has the anthem undergone several changes over the years, uh, the previous versions were actually gender neutral, uh, including Robert Stanley Weir's original 1908 poem. So the original line in his poem is... True patriot love, thou dost in us command. At some point between the original writing of the poem in 1908 and its republishing in 1927, the line was changed to a more gender-specific version. Which is so strange to consider because, like, if we had kept with that original one, everything would have been fine. Think of all the time and energy that wouldn't have had to go into this. And it's hard to wrap your mouth around, like, thou dost in us command. It's a little, it's a little wordy, it's a little out of, you know what we currently use. But I mean, it's it's not gender specific. 
And, and, but it's also that's also a complaint that people have about the current lyrics. So like, oh, I'm not used to saying it. So like, imagine we kept that Dawson us command. Then people, let's say they tried to switch it to thy son's command. People are like, I don't want to say this. So you're just saying that we're all fickle humans, and no matter what, it's just gonna it's just gonna result in unhappiness. Your words, not mine, right? <laughs> <laughs> all for naught. <laughs> So complaints about In All Thy Sons Command are really not new at all. Uh, Complaints about the national anthem are recorded as early as the 1950s. So they've been around for quite some time. There were also attempts to change the anthem back to the gender neutral version in the 1980s, but none of these were really successful. Also, I think it's important for us to note that um, while there were a lot of women and a lot of people involved in wanting to make the changes to the anthem, someone who was really important in this whole process was a member of parliament, Moriel Bélanger from Vanier here in Ottawa. And it was one of his last real efforts to try to change these lyrics. He unfortunately passed away in 2016, but um, he worked really tirelessly towards getting these lyrics changed. And um, it's unfortunate that they weren't changed during his lifetime, but really wonderful that he was still able to have a lasting effect even in, in the time since. They'll be a part of his legacy as an MP. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that's really exciting to see how there are, you know, important change can be done, especially considering that people wanted this change from 1950 onwards and it only happened in 2018. Like, mm-hmm. job well done, guys. It took a lot of us, but we got there eventually. 68 years. So with this new change, arguments obviously have been made that the change is progressive and it's a shift for Canada and for the Canadian National Anthem. But not all Canadian reactions were positive. There were, and still are, many that are decidedly affronted. Um, So some examples from Twitter. Senator Denise Batters called the change shameful, anti-democratic behavior by hashtag Trudeau appointed senators who shut down legitimate debate in the chamber. I think uh, putting the hashtag in really devalues like Mm. any sort of political argument. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so uh, conservative MP Bob Soroya also tweeted, disappointed to hear the liberals changed our national anthem. Some things just shouldn't change. Andrew Scheer, the leader of the conservative party, voted against changing the national anthem, arguing that if government wanted to change the national anthem, they should have done it through a government bill with proper consultation. He noted that many Canadians probably weren't aware that the anthem had been changed and that the anthem belongs to the Canadian people. When asked, what will you sing, Shear smiled and said that until a new anthem rece- receives royal assent, he'll sing the original version. Um, he noted that he respects the law and that the law has meaning, but he is disappointed with the change and how it was carried out, quote, without consultation and real scrutiny, end quote. I mean, obviously, this is a very controversial change. Um, lots of people don't agree with it. Lots of people feel like it's not needed. And then there are lots of people who feel like it is absolutely needed. I mean, it's, it's just a few words. How often do we really sing it? Um, I certainly don't attend that many sports games, so I don't sing the national anthem all that often. But when I do, it, I don't personally mind too much which words I'm singing. However, it, it is interesting to see how passionate people are, especially considering that it was only the national anthem since 1980. It clearly has sunk deeply into our national identity over that short time. I mean, that's almost within my lifetime. I, I was born a little bit after it became the official national anthem. But still, like, that's 
to see how impressed it has become in our minds and in our hearts. And it's a huge part of who we are. But do you think part of that might be just people's misunderstanding of the history of the anthem? I bet most people don't know it became the official anthem in 1980. They mm -hmm. think of it as this concrete, unchanging thing that's existed since Canada became a country, maybe. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I certainly didn't, I wasn't aware of how recent it was into our, being a national anthem until we had done the research for this. I didn't know. Yeah. No, me neither. So I think it's it's really fascinating. And it wasn't it didn't seem to be a big part of the conversation around changing the lyrics either. And I am a little bit interested that the thou dust in us command wasn't really brought up as a potential, right? Because I think if you're trying to convince people that it's worthwhile to make a change, a really a popular way maybe to try to sell it to those people who are saying, don't change our history, would be to say, well, we're actually going to revert it to the original historic lyrics which is also gender neutral. So it's a little, I mean, yes, it's a mouthful. We've already talked about that because it would have been an interesting way to try to help with those concerns that people have. It would have, it would have shut down opposition, basically. Maybe not shut down, but help to alleviate concerns, right? It wouldn't mm. be you're robbing the heritage from our national anthem. Yeah. It would have been you're restoring it. And that's a different conversation altogether. And it's, it's also accomplishing the same goal of gender parity. Uh, there was actually a Canadian reporter journalist, David Aiken, who countered a lot of the opposition that was going up on Twitter and in different places by noting that the original lyric from the 1908 version was Thou Dost in Us Command. So it wasn't until 1914 that the wording had changed and then it was like republished all and repackaged in that 1927 version. But, you know, for traditionalists, David Aiken really did try to bring to the front this idea that Robert Stanley Weir's original lyric was gender neutral. But I, I'm still not sure why that didn't gain traction. Maybe it was just because it was on Twitter and not enough people saw it. I don't, I'm not sure. It just seems like it could have been an interesting way to try to have the conversation with different stakeholders and people who had concerns. So I don't know. Missed opportunity in my, in my opinion, but... But hey, we can always change it again. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. true. <laughs> just wait, wait 10 years. Maybe yeah. we'll want to change it. Maybe it'll be a different line that we'll want to change. Realistically, most national anthems sort of worldwide, if they aren't created in the 19th century, they're created in the mid-20th century. When a lot of countries sort of throw off the reins of empire and gain their independence, they'll make anthems that are all changing now. Ones from the 70s that are really imbued with the ideas of sort of Marxist revolution have been changed um, all across different continents. Mm -hmm. Though many Twitter users have pointed out that the negative reaction to the change is backlash against progressive or liberal politics, and really a lot of the online opposition to the change is levied at liberals, liberal politics, feminists, or Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. So, I mean, there has obviously been a lot of backlash. Uh, a lot of politicians have been leading into things, but they've also tried to be pretty careful to emphasize the handling of the bill, you know. What they argue was a lack of consultation as opposed to any political motivation behind the change and any backlash it has received. So I don't think that they want to come across as being anti-gender parity so much as they're just, it seems like the concerns are more about how it was handled and the, yeah, the lack of consultation. And realistically, like an anthem change, like changing the lyrics, that's like neoliberal ideology. Like no other political group is going to really go for it, are they? Like maybe, maybe the NDP would... Maybe sort of other left-wing politicians would, but yeah, yeah, it's a it's a very like symbolic ideological yeah. move, right? That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I I agree with that. I think it's interesting that they're citing a lack of consultation and scrutiny 
would you not consider kind of the outcry and the consistent work over all of those years from all of those people a form of scrutiny or of you know what I mean so I find that to be interesting I am not necessarily disagreeing that because it felt like it just changed because I don't you know like it just right. felt like it just changed I'm not disagreeing that maybe that wasn't like typical way something like that would go down but I think it's interesting that it's kind of discrediting the fact that this has been a conversation for such a long time yeah I think maybe it's harder to measure that scrutiny that's been happening over all the decades it's harder to know how widespread it is how representative it is of a larger group of Canadians versus just like a a vocal minority maybe or you know whatever was happening politically at the time that might have motivated people towards Mm -hmm. having those opinions I mean that's not at all to say that it wasn't warranted to be changed I think it's great that it's gender that it's gender neutral now that's fantastic Um, and I'm all for that but I I think it just from the other side that it, it is hard to kind of measure the scrutiny as as being consultation necessarily it's mm-hmm. it's not really the same yeah so i can see how they would feel that way mm. i just don't think anthem should exist at all tell me more yeah. nick <laughs> hot take my, my hot take of the day is that <laughs> anthems are really just an outgrowth of 19th century nationalism the type of nationalism that led to world wars that leads to violence more generally and anthems are indicative of that. They're like people singing about the state. It's part of like state worship instead of creating active citizens who can engage with the government and criticize the government. This sort of thing. People just get upset about and they get some riled up. It's part of that Bismarckian philosophy of history makes good citizens. Mm-hmm. Anthems make good citizens. Is there any, like, I mean, have there been any articles on that? There have been articles on um, when anthems have come out historically, how they're used as like a state tool almost. Mm -hmm. So the American anthem becomes codified right as the Great Depression starting. What are the chances? Uh, We need to give people something to be happy about, something to sort of rally them together to try and create that unity, I guess. Um, Other anthems, like I said, the earlier anthems across sort of the globe more generally, a lot of the ones that were created in the 70s in the wake of independence, especially in Africa and different African countries, are having the Marxism removed from their lyrics now. That sort of thing. Does that necessarily mean that anthems can be used or a tool in like weaponizing or um, inciting violence by countries? Like I, that just seems a little bit extreme. I'm not... <laughs> Too slippery slopey for you. <laughs> just maybe a little bit. Because mm-hmm. I, I certainly think that they are tools that a government uses to try to create a feeling or establish a sense of unity. Uh, I'm all on board for that. I don't necessarily think that that's wrong. Um, I think that it's useful for a country to have pride in being a country. I think it's uh, useful in lots of ways. And, you know, they don't have to be sinister ways. Um, I think that sometimes they can be. But I'm interested to know if, like, there are examples that we can look at of how an anthem has been used as a tool for that type of a thing. I think it can be used as a tool to incite anger, Uh, It certainly uses a tool for expression. If we go to where people, like today, where people see, where they they hear the anthem most, I guess, at sports games. Mm. When the invasion of Iraq happened, people in Montreal during a Canadians game booed the American anthem. And they kept booing the American anthem. So, like, the invasion of Iraq is is not an event that I would support and that obviously a lot of Canadians didn't support. But... They're taking that moment with the anthem and just expressing the anger about that war starting. But is that so much 
the government using the national anthem to be able to accomplish that through Canadians? Or is that more just a, a sign or a symptom of humans in the way that we can be so nationalistic and so um, us versus them and that we want to kind of create groups there that we can be safe in so that we can you know, be protected and then feel like we can kind of go after other groups that aren't like us or we feel uh, safe because we're in that zone where we've all just sung this national anthem so we feel unified and this is who we are and now they're playing this other anthem and that is not who we are and we do not stand for what they do i don't know if that's the government so much as it's just human nature i think it sets a stage certainly i think it sets a stage for those sort of things and yes in a sense i think it could be human nature but nationalism comes out of that 19th century and governments stoke nationalism they do things like change anthem lyrics so more people can be nationalistic and in doing that, they've, I want to say, loaded the powder keg. So if they need to militarize people, they can. They have these sort of tools. So I know this is like Canada hasn't just sparked off on a war or something. But I think if we're looking historically at anthems across Europe especially, a lot of those lyrics do incite violence. Like the French anthem mm -hmm. talks about the impure bloods referencing Austrians. Right. So if I can take those cases... In those situations, anthems were used to rally a population to war. And I suppose to that end, even the American national anthem can be considered because, I mean, it really is singing about the war, right? Mm -hmm. It's the War of 1812. It's about, I think it's about the Royal Navy um, bombing Baltimore. But even if you look at um, all the outrage that sparked around Colin Kaepernick kneeling for the anthem, mm -hmm. it's like he's using it to bring up a certain issue of civil liberties. And then people just want to shut him up. They want to stop him. They're like, why do you disrespect the anthem? And it's like, why should something like a song about the state be so widely revered? Well, I think if it's like if someone calls into question a symbol or something that maybe has been nurtured in you and you've nurtured in yourself as a big part of your identity. So I'm not necessarily agreeing with it, but if people are looking at their nation, like I am a Canadian or I am an American, and then someone kneels for the national anthem, you feel like that's a personal attack on who I am, even though it's not, even though it's someone representing or expressing something. It, and then people get crazy sometimes about things like that. So I think that's indicative of human nature. Yeah, I, I'm just, I'm interested. I think that certainly the state maybe plays a part in that because they help decide what the national anthem is. Um, I don't think they necessarily write the national anthem. They certainly didn't for Canada. So it's, I don't know, I don't necessarily think that it's a tenuous argument, but I think that there is more maybe to be researched here. Uh, maybe it's a good research opportunity. Maybe Nick will write a paper and be presenting it in the near future. <laughs> not, not just an editorial in the Ottawa Citizen. <laughs> Not just angry man yells at cloud. But I do think that there is something there. I think there's something to be pulled apart. It would be interesting to investigate. I just think that when we discuss it in terms of like the government weaponizing or using it as a tool, it makes me more consider like um, if we were all sleeper agents and the playing of the national anthem all of a sudden woke <laughs> us up. That seems a little bit extreme so, to me but i can certainly see the other side yeah, my, my sort of um uh point is not necessarily that the state's like forcing people to war but that it um the, the, the anthem itself helps build a nationalism that allows wars to happen across the world and in a, if we want a world without war maybe we should think about not caring about anthems Maybe it's a step towards... Maybe. Yeah, it could be uh, certainly a step. Or maybe we should get an uh, international anthem. 
I wonder if the UN has something going on. Oh, can you imagine? And we could all like write, each country could submit like a sentence to it or something. So we could all, feel, it would be a long national. It'd be a long, that'd be 196 sentences. No, it should just be a word. It'd be like that game you play when you're a kid and it's like, I saw a, and like, but that would be the answer. With every country in the world. Every country in the world. So with that, um, with, with us solving, I think, world peace. I think we just got it. We just it. did it. Yeah. Uh, we hope that you've learned something about national anthems. Uh, something about our national anthem, certainly, and hopefully this gives you something to think about when you're considering the lyrics that you're singing at the next sports game that you're attending, or if you're still in school, or if you're a teacher. Wherever it is that you hear it next, uh, we hope that you'll consider the history behind it and the not-so-distant history that is part of it as well. And uh, yeah, now you're in the know. Now you're in the know. Notice History is a no-history podcast. We are produced by Emily Cuggy and myself, Robin Mullins. This week's researchers were Stacey Devlin and Emma Green, with audio mixing by myself and Emily Cuggy. For more information about the topics we covered, check out our blog at nohistory.ca slash podcast, or you can check us out on social media at Notice History. If you like this show, tell your friends and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.